0: Howdy, and welcome to the Where to Hunt podcast, the podcast that connects public land hunting enthusiasts. Today's, well, I guess it's December. (laughs) I was going to say November, but I forgot that the month changed. So it's December 4th, 2018. I'm your host and goofball, Eric Clark. Thanks for joining me on another awesome episode of the Where to Hunt podcast. So on today's episode, I had a guest on, Lexi Quinn with Life Beyond Limits. LifeBeyondLimitsOfficial.com is her her blog site, and I believe her Instagram, um, where you could probably find her pretty readily, is LifeBeyondLimitsOfficial as well. So make sure you stop by and check her out. We had some great discussion points on this particular episode today, primarily around just having a positive outlook and attitude towards everything that you do, but especially and specifically hunting. How you overcome um, some of the woes, like you know shooting a deer or an elk and or missing and or hitting the animal and then not recovering it. Like how can you, without being cheesy, positively overcome that type of scenario? So we discuss that and break some of that stuff down and also hit on um, how social media is kind of having a toll and taking an impact on the hunting community overall and and some steps you can take to kind of combat that and overcome it. That being said, um, you know I I like to promote some of the things that I like and believe in and and some of the people and uh, organizations that help support me. not financially, but mentally. And, uh, you know, I just love that there's a lot of good kind of, um, reciprocity going on right now for some of the things I'm doing with the where to hunt show. That being said, you, the listeners, now that this is a live call in quote unquote radio show, um, your support is everything to me and this is your show. So I appreciate everybody that calls in to, to make it their show. Thank you. Spread the word, continue to do that. Additionally, if you haven't noticed, I'm talking pretty fast and, uh, that's because well, I always talk fast, but I'm well energized because I drink backwoods grind coffee. That is the coffee brand that I've been drinking. There are a lot of coffee brands out there. Um, I'd be remiss if I said I wasn't intrigued to try some others, such as I've seen the Black Rifle Coffee Company, I've seen the, the um, Timber Dark Timber Coffee Company. You no, know, I, I would I would be lying if I said I didn't love collectivo coffee and I also bulletproof my coffee. Um, no matter what brand I'm drinking, but as of lately, I've been drinking Backwoods Grind out of a French press, and it's delicious. So, um, if you're looking for some good coffee, I recommend it. We drank it at my hunting camp this year, and uh, everyone had great things to say about it. Also, I think Legendary Whitetails is running some really cool stuff. You know, if you hear this podcast today on December fourth, they're running a deal forty percent off of uh, some hunting, not hunting vests, but maybe. At our hunting party, we actually wear vests for good luck. So. <laughs> for apps but they're running the 12 bucks at christmas so head over to their site and check them out um they got some comfy clothes and some cool stuff and if you're into wearing vests or deer hunting for luck like we are might be a good time a good time to scoop some of that stuff up but i'm gonna go ahead and bring uh the guest on for today we had some technical glitches and difficulties or whatever rolled with those punches and got through it anyways so we could get this episode produced um hopefully lexi will be coming back sometime in the near future to kind of dive even deeper into some of those things but Anyway, thanks for tuning in. Your ratings and feedback on iTunes mean so, so much to me. Thank you for everybody that's been doing that. I've been seeing that stuff come in. I really appreciate it. Thanks for calling in. I appreciate that too. Special guest appearance today um, on today's show from the East Coast Bow Hunters. Shout out to them too. So here's our guest. Hi, everybody. This is Eric with Where to Hunt, and with me on the line here, I have Lexi Quinn. Lexi, how are you doing today? I am doing
1: pretty good. I don't know about the climate everywhere else, but it's pretty warm where I'm at, so pretty good. So,
0: yeah, you're you're a bit of a nomad. Where are you at?
1: Currently, I am in San Diego, California.
0: Oh, yeah, warmer. it's got to be a lot warmer there than here in Wisconsin. Yeah, it's like
1: seventy. <laughs> 70 something.
0: Okay. And so. now are you from Wisconsin? Is that correct?
1: Yeah, I grew up in I don't know if anybody's going to know where this is, but I grew up in Nina, which is like Nina. north of Oshkosh.
0: Super cool. So it smells really bad in Nina, right? Cuz the the paper mill.
1: Um it doesn't really smell bad until you get towards like Kaukauna and stuff.
0: Okay, so you're safe from the stench. Deacon is
1: more known to the stink than, than Nina is.
0: <laughs> Good to go. Well, that's cool. So, um, okay, so right before I went live, I was telling you that my one of my absolute favorite quotes is, perpetual optimism is a force multiplier. Now, you seem to have a really optimistic outlook on life and how you approach things. So maybe let's talk about kind of your journey and what you do, where you're at, how things are going. Because when you look at your social feeds, you are a very interesting person.
1: (laughs) Thank you. I've been told that a few times, especially recently. Um, I'm kind of a hard person to keep up with when it comes to, like, where my location is. Um, It's kind of funny because I'm actually supposed to be in Scotland right now until December Oh wow! Yeah. But um, that... It was a hunting trip slash self-discovery backpacking trip that I was going to go on, but uh, I was supposed to stay with the family for like a week or two um, and then stay in hostels for the remainder of the time, but Mm -hmm. I guess there was something that happened in the family, so they canceled, so I'm just going to go at a different time. And then I ended up wrapping my schedule up again anyways um, instead of that trip, so I'm actually going to be going on a couple hunting trips here soon. Um, Oklahoma being the first one, and then I'll be in Missouri, and then the outdoor shows are going to be starting, so I will be in Reno and Vegas and a few other places on the West Coast, and then after that I'll be in North Carolina for like two months.
0: How... How do you enable a lifestyle like that? Like, how does that work?
1: You don't. I mean, it's kind of, it's really hard, like really hard. Um, I definitely can't get attached to anything. Um, And now that I'm in a relationship, it's even harder, but we're, we make it work because we just, I mean, obviously it's a newer relationship, but there's enough feeling there that it's like, okay, we're going to make this work no matter what. Um. Isaiah is my boyfriend. He's actually really supportive of what I'm doing, um, and he's got my back all the time. So it does it makes it a lot easier to have that support. Um, without that support, I don't know what I would do.
0: Yeah, it's nice when you get someone that supports you. I know the feeling. I'm sure yeah. one of my I'm sure my <laughs> wife is one of the viewers right now. She she supports <laughs> me in everything I do, and I couldn't do it without her. Quite literally, because I would have a 15 month old in my in my arm otherwise right now. But, so, so I have you, I, good. oh, go ahead.
1: It's, it, I mean, it has its ups and its downs. Like, um, one of the things, like, I haven't, like, lived in any one specific place in, like, three years. I think wow. I change location, like, every three to six months.
0: So when you're doing that, how, like, how, what is room and board like?
1: Um, uh, My car. My car is pretty big and it's comfortable. Um and, are, you, are
0: you driving like a big SUV then or a minivan or is it an actual car? No, I
1: actually right now I actually have a Ford Fusion. Um, but obviously minus the winter months it's um not too bad. Um most like my job also plays a huge factor in why I travel so much. So between government barracks, friends' couches, my car Camping and stuff like that. That's kind of where I stay. Right now, I'm living with my boyfriend in San Diego. um, And I'm in the works of getting, trading that awesome car in for a Tacoma, which I desperately need. So she was everywhere I go, I need four wheel drive and more space. Um, And then I'm also considering getting a travel trailer to remodel and make it livable on like solar energy. I'm not gonna have any water filtering through it. Um, it's gonna be solar powered and as far as warmth I'm mean, gonna I have like a wood burning stove inside. So it's gonna be a hundred percent self sustainable.
0: Wow. That's yeah. like a step beyond the, the mini house kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I was gonna go the tiny house route, but it's like
0: tiny house. Really mini.
1: expensive. Yeah, yeah. Mini tiny same thing. They they go they're super expensive and they're they don't take a lot to build, but they're really expensive for what people want. They're like some people are asking like thirty to forty thousand dollars, and I can actually buy a real home for that much, um, which I'm not yeah. ready to do yet because I as soon as I do that it ties me down to like one specific location. Um, so I'm kind of doing the RV style one. Like I could get a drivable camper, but um, my whole thought process behind it is, I want to be able to leave it somewhere if I need to, like leave it at a campground, leave it on a piece of land or something. If I like, and I can still use my truck it, with its normal function
2: to get a around, drive, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, yes, yeah. so I'm not hauling this big old camper around with me everywhere I go. Because to be honest, I'm not the greatest with a trailer.
0: <laughs> me neither, or boats or anything that I'm learning <laughs> that I have to back up. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, that's awesome. That's my current so, project. That um and so okay, you have you're a firefighter. Yep. You talk because you're not a traditional firefighter. Can we talk about that for a for a couple minutes?
1: Absolutely. Um I guess I can I'll leave you to ask questions and I'll just answer.
0: So, specifically a wildland firefighter. Is that correct?
1: So I've, yeah. I used to be um, a structure firefighter for, like, a city department.
0: And so what made you um, kind of gravitate towards what you're doing now?
1: Um, I kind of, realistically, most of, like, your city departments, the majority of our calls are medical calls, and those get to be exhausting um, mentally and physically. Like, I – there's things that I'd rather not see – on a daily basis, um, and I, I think it just wore on me after a while because I did it for seven years, and it just wore on me after a while. And it's like I need something else. I mean, growing up in Wisconsin, unless you go to like oh, what is it called, Devils, the
0: Devil's, Devils Lake, Lake? Yeah. yeah, in the Dell.
1: unless you unless you go there or Lacrosse, like there's no mountain. And I went to Montana when I was really small child and I have missed the mountains ever since but never had the opportunity to go out west so it was actually wasn't until like three or four years ago where I went out west for the first time um, and I, I literally fell in love with it I felt home and I was like okay like I know I want to move out west at some point how can I take my career with me and I didn't even know that wildland firefighting existed I didn't even know what it was, because on the East Coast, you don't really hear much about it, Um, and I don't really watch the news ever, and so I kind of, like, looked into it more when I was going through college. There was a program for wildland fires, so I took it, and I did a season, I think it was, like, six months of um, prescribed burning on, like, people's hunting property or fields for, like, Pheasants Forever. We did some burns in, um, like, the Oshkosh area and, like, the whole Fox Valley, yeah, And it was actually really fun. Like, you spend most of your time outside, and I'm kind of a pyro anyway, so just watching fire, just watching it burn isn't really boring to me like it is to most people.
0: Um,
1: so, I don't know. It kind of just stuck on me, and then I figured out a way to, like, apply for it. Um, So I applied with the U.S. Forest Service, and then I got my first job in um, Utah last year.
0: Super cool.
1: Or two years
0: ago, two years ago. So in 2016. Wow. Hey, so I have um, our first caller in the queue here. I'm gonna bring them in. We've got Ryan from the East Coast Bow Hunting Podcast. It looks like. Okay. So I'm gonna yeah. bring him in and see if he has any particular questions for you, me, us, the topic in general. Um, hold on here. Ryan, you're live on the show. Can you hear me? Yes I can, Eric, how you doing? Good, you're live, and we got Lexi on the call with us too. So if you got any questions for her or I or the the subject matter, um fire away, man. Thanks for calling in. Yeah, absolutely. Lexi, how are you?
2: I'm pretty good. How are you?
3: Excellent, excellent. So I'm calling in. I mean I'm I'm loving what you guys are talking about tonight, about going in um you know to every hunt with a good clear positive mindset. Um uh, I was just looking, you know, shed a little light on that and get my input on it if you guys don't mind. Yeah. All right, so going with that, what I like to say is there's never a bad hunt, of course, you can have a bad day at work, you can have a bad day out in your life, but there's never such thing as a bad hunt. um you're always out there learning from every single experience, every second you're in that woods um you may you may have that deer that blows you on the way in, you never see it again, you may have a missed shot, um, but you take every every mistake, every. Everything that you do in the woods, you take it as a learning experience just to bring it to your next hunt. Um, So for me, there's no bad hunt. It always brings me to have a good, clear, positive mindset to go back in knowing that I learned from that last hunt, even if I wasn't able to take a harvest or even see anything after three or four days. Um, I'm just constantly going in, learning from every single thing I do and just bringing a positive mindset to that next hunt. So, um, you know, you guys are doing a great thing here, talking about a great topic. Um, I just want to get a little bit of my own mindset on it. Dude, that I have was a awesome. question. <laughs> yes, what, go
1: ahead. What um what process like mental process do you have to maintain that positive mindset like going into a hunt with um kind of like an open mind and a positive mind at that like what is your mental process?
3: Absolutely. So my mental process is I I know Eric does a lot of public land hunting myself and um out here representing the East Coast boys here um what's what we do too is you grind that that grind that public hunt. Um, just because it's so much more difficult when you're out there, but the reward itself, when you actually do get that deal, when you actually do get that animal you've been trying so hard for, um, you know that it's just going to be so rewarding by the time you actually get there. Um, And every single step, like I said before, it is a learning curve. So you're not just out there wasting time, you're just out there uh, missing opportunities. You're learning from every step, and it's just that much better when you actually make everything connect from all the work you've done. Um, So I just try to keep in my mindset that, um, it's all. It's all just worth it. It's all worth it. And it comes down to that time where it's make it or break it, and you're out there getting it done.
1: That's well, a good process to have. Have you have you had any like recent experience with having to use that process? Like in
3: Absolutely. I actually have. So um, unfortunately, I, w- I did take a uh, a shot at a, at a good sized buck. It would have been uh, my biggest buck to date here. Um, and I took a bad shot, and I did hit it in the shoulder. And it's never easy recovering from that. As long as you, as anyone is in the bow hunting industry, um, that's going to happen. And it's no, it's nothing easy to come back from. It's nothing easy to bounce back and get back into that stand and to make a shot again. But the way I learned from it is, it makes me, it makes me step back and think. Um, you know, when you're about to make that shot, is everything perfect? Is everything lined up? Um, so it's just a learning experience from making those mistakes to just bringing it into that field and. Take a little bit more mindset and a little more thinking when you're about to take that about to take that shot and make it happen. So um, just everything everything you can out there. Just take it and bring it to every hunt.
0: Kind
1: of like you mentioned from something.
0: Your yeah, well, you said it's really hard to recover from that. I can't imagine, and I think like it can be pretty cheesy to say like let's have a positive mindset and let's stay happy and it's all good and candy bars and lollipops and rainbows and unicorns and sure that's great, but when you you have something like that that you encounter that that. Wretches your gut and and breaks your heart and and I mean, that really tests you, you know, and how do you how do you take a positive approach after something like that lexi what like what do you do to to recover if you've had an experience like that? like what does that look like?
1: Well, it actually happened to me this year um on my Colorado alcon I don't know how many people followed along on that. Um, I didn't really get a chance to post as much as I wanted to, due the lack of service. Um, But I actually missed the biggest bull of my life, probably the biggest bull I'll ever have a chance at shooting. Um, This elk easily would have scored 350-plus. He was freaking massive. And we were at, like, 12,000 feet. It was my first elk hunt ever, so I'm still kind of learning, like, hunting tactics, how to go into it. How to? I mean, because you're dealing with thousands of acres of land, and it's not like sitting in a tree stand where you're waiting for something to walk by. You're actually like spotting and stalking this animal, so it's extremely hard to get close enough to where they don't see you, um, because they're a lot smarter in that territory than you are realistically, because that's they live it. Um, so I had help. I had two friends with me. Um, one of them's a freelance guide, and he is a good friend of mine. He helped me out. His name is Zach um we i think i was on day five when this happened uh out of eight and when we originally like the first four days the weather was terrible it was like snowing it was not good weather conditions for glass thing you couldn't see anything so my spirits were already kind of shot because i hadn't seen anything i kicked up a buck like the first day um didn't get any type of a shot at it at all because i followed the Tracks through the snow and actually led me right to him, but he was long gone because we were on really steep terrain. Um, the next three days after that, literally saw nothing. No elk, no deer. Um, I had a bull tag and a mule deer buck tag. And, I mean, my spirits, like I said, were already kind of down in the dumps, so I was, like, trying to be optimistic, trying to be positive. Um, on the fifth day, the weather cleared up a lot more, and able to find a herd of like 40 or 50 elk um wow up in the higher mountains at like 12,000 feet Um there was two bulls in there, both really nice. The one was like 350 plus, like I said. Um so we saw them the night before. Um there was other hunters also. I mean, we're all public land. So there was other hunters hunting the exact same elk that I was and they had been there for like a week longer. Scott um Scouting and stuff. So the next morning I got up super early, five o'clock. We went up to the highest point we could find. Um we ended up finding the elk, like through the snow. It was snowing pretty hard still.
2: So.
1: And so we decided to grab our gear, put everything on, and hike towards these elk in like terrain that nobody else would go in because you're dealing with willows which are really loud and crappy to walk through. Not to mention we're in like knee-deep, waist-deep snow. Like our first steps, I literally sunk into my waist in snow. Um, I didn't have snowshoes and neither did they. Um, so we hiked in anyway because we were like super determined to get after this bull because was massive. Um, so we hiked in and got close enough to where I could get a good shot. And I was using a rifle. Um, I'm also normally a bow hunter. And... There was two sets of tracks, so there ended up being two herds, but we didn't see the other one because we were so dialed in and so focused on the herd that we were watching through the binos um so to the left, about like two hundred yards, there was a herd of about like thirty elk, and that's where the big bull was, so we ended up accidentally kicking them up, so as soon as we saw them, they were like in a running motion, like running back up the ridge, so I like hurried up, grabbed the gun, that I am not used to shooting. Um, try to get in a decent position i'm like in a prone position trying to shoot upward which is super uncomfortable because i've got like my right side of my body buried in the snow i've got my neck all kinked in a really uncomfortable way trying to shoot uphill prone and my neck started to cramp up it was started snowing really hard and i'm i have this elk at like 520 yards so i shot and missed and then I got him again at, like, 600-something yards, and then I shot and missed again because it was like you I could hardly see. The snow was really bad through the scope. It was far away. I was rushed and super nervous, and that is just what happened. He ended up getting away from me.
3: Man, that's But that's
1: not even that's the worst rough. part. Like, yeah. I was, that's, like, beating myself up so bad.
3: That's not even an easy shot you can make without those conditions. So I know it's discouraging, but um, that's some incredible conditions, and you just kept grinding yeah. the whole time. Wonderful. Yeah.
1: I mean, the gun was modified to a point. It, it was a 730-odd, I think. And it wasn't mine, it was my friend Zach's. And he's like, because he knew what his gun could do. And my I was using a 730-odd, and I was only comfortable shooting that 300 yards. But his was like, Dialed in at like a thousand. I would never make that far of a shot, but I was like, okay, 500 is not too bad Um, I mean it is a rifle So and it wasn't the gun at all. It was 100% me In and and the conditions like one I couldn't see I'm not used to shooting that gun and I just couldn't get dialed in on him Fast enough because he was moving the whole time Um, but it sucks because like those hunters that were in that area um they were on the left side of the mountains i guess they must have known that we were going to kick them up or something or i guess they had hoped but where they walked in i basically led those elk right to them and one of the guys ended up shooting that really big bull that same night (laughs) wow so it's not like i I would have cried
2: (laughs) oh i was
1: super upset it's not like because i had planned i was like okay no big deal and that was my thought process at first like, I was beating myself up for one, like, pretty bad. Um, and then it wasn't, I was, like, in my head over, and that's kind of how I calmed myself down. I was like, okay, we're going to try again later today. We're going to try again tomorrow. You've got four more days left. Like, we're going to make this happen. We know where they are. They're going to come back. So I kind of just, like, talked myself back into, like, positive thoughts, I guess. Um but then it wasn't until that night, and, like, my roommate's the game warden in that area, so I kind of know, like, who, like, if somebody were to kill it, like, you might find out, might might not. Um, but later that night, we were doing some glassing in that area that we were before we were going to leave the area just to see if we could find them and where they went. So we could come up with a game plan for the following morning, um, and that's when I heard three different shots. And I was like, oh, no, I just knew in my gut, like my gut just started wrenching. And I was like, that was my bull. Like, I know for a fact that was my bull. And it was. <laughs> so that it was then where I really started to beat myself up, especially when um, I guess it was spotted like a day or two later at some gas station by one of the other game wardens. And he was like telling us how big it was and how beautiful it was and how it would have it's made some sort of record and it was the guy's first elk too so it's oh like oh yeah yeah it was bad that's so
2: terrible that was my
1: first yeah that was my first elk hunt
2: so but how did you stay positive i
1: i definitely didn't at first um like the first day and that night i was like pretty beat up about it um but then one of my friends pointed out a good point, like, had I shot that bull and this is my first elk, this is my first elk hunt, it would have ruined elk hunting for me forever. I'm never going to shoot a bull that big anywhere else unless I go to some big-time outfitter, which I don't hunt outfitters usually. Um, but, like, did I really want that big of an elk for my first one, you know? Right. It would just ruin any elk after that if it was smaller, which... Nine times out of ten, it's going to be smaller because 350 is pretty good. Um, so I kind of just kept that in my mind. I was like, you know what? You're right. Like, I don't – it is what it is. Everything happens for a reason, and I wasn't meant to shoot that bull. And that's just the mindset I just kept. Kept telling myself so when are you that. going back? And I was like um, – well, I ended up getting a bull to, a day later. Um, we went to a different spot in my unit. And my friend Zach is, like a, like, a wizard when it comes to spotting elk. Um, he can literally, like, if there's elk in a three, four-mile radius, he'll find them. Um, I'm still learning. So I learned a lot from him. Um, we ended up, we were scouting, like, a couple miles away. We were on this roadway. We just pulled over, and we were scouting, like, a couple ridges over. Um, and we found two bulls they're pretty, pretty good. I mean, they weren't like huge or anything, but they were like three by five or something. Um, so we kind of watched them go into the open. Um, they were in like the willows and just like a big open Aspen area. So we're like, okay, yep. let's go over there. It was at like eight in the morning. Um, so we drove like 20 minutes over hiked about a mile into, we we're going to cut them off. Cause we knew they were headed for the green timber, um, for the afternoon. To just bed down so we kind of went a ridge over hiked up a drainage where they couldn't see us into some green timber we found a really good spot on a rock face where we could glass over to the next ridge into the green timber Um, we sat there for about like an hour and a half didn't see anything for a while so we all had lunch and we're just you know talking or whatever Keeping our eyes on the area, so then we decided to go a little bit higher. So as we were hiking, we saw two elk just out of the corner of our eye, to like in the green timber. So we're like, "Holy crap! Like there they are! They're right there!" So I got—it was crazy because it was like totally different from the day before. Like I got—I was able to have time to get into a comfortable shooting position, prone again. He was bedded down up against a tree. So I had time to pick out the biggest one of the two. And then I had time to like, like I, it's kind of crazy. Don't, I'll explain why, but I don't know if, like we think of meditation as like something that like a Buddhist does or like a monk or something, but I've actually taken up meditation recently and I did like a quick one minute meditation in my head before I pulled the trigger to like calm my nerves. Calm my mind, and then I pulled the trigger and made a really good shot on the bull. And he just his head kind of just like flung back, and then he was gone. But it was weird because. Go ahead.
0: Was that it? Like, what happened then?
1: He was. Then he was dead. That's it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's what he meant by gone. Okay, I don't know if he got away. I was like, wait a second here.
1: (laughs) Oh no 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 no, no I got him. But it was crazy because like it's almost. I didn't not get excited, but I didn't have like the adrenaline rush that I did when I missed that bowl from the day before. I literally think that I wore my all my energy out and it was just a very, like, I don't know, like the meditation, like completely relaxed my mind. So I didn't even have the chance to like get that adrenaline rush. So I kind of like took the adrenaline rush away from myself, but. I've heard so many stories when it comes to hunting where people's adrenaline rush causes them to miss because they get nervous, they get shaky, they just get, they don't, they're not like, their brain isn't thinking properly. So, like, like, it's crazy because so many so many of us as hunters have relied on that adrenaline factor. We always give each other crap like, oh, once you lose the adrenaline factor, like, you don't really enjoy hunting anymore. And it's just something that we've never questioned because it's something that we've relied on for so long. But then if you look at like, in, um I'm sure you guys can relate. You guys have probably missed um, animals before due to yep. whatever, like you were nervous and stuff like that. So part of learning from your mistake is realizing why you missed.
2: Absolutely. And
1: like I would, you know, so people are like, well, why would you take the adrenaline rush away from yourself? And it's like, because my end result, my end goal is to make an ethical shot so I can go home with meat. That is my intention. And that's what I came here to do. And I'm not going to let an adrenaline rush take that away. So I meditated and got my mind clear and I was able to make a good shot. Granted, he was bedded anyways, but but still. You could. I mean, it was a 300-yard shot. Still, I could have missed.
0: Holy cow! Yeah, that's had a, I been that's a, too shaky. No, that's a long shot. You could totally miss if you're yeah. if you're not on point for sure. Sadly, my so, buddy missed a 300-yard shot. Just recently, yeah.
1: I had to clear that up because I figured someone would ask, like, why would you take the adrenaline
3: rush away?
0: Yeah, and so I mean, so so definitely.
3: Po- go ahead. You can go ahead. Sorry. Uh, to make a point on on what you're saying here lexi is that whole adrenaline rush thing is this year for myself personally is i get i get that rush i get that buck fever even when it's a dough, you know um and i've been working on myself with just getting my breathing right while while i'm in there um it's all about taking those deep breaths and calming yourself down uh one thing i've been trying to keep my mind is i've got all the time in the world to be excited after the shot um you know calm down those deep breaths make that good, clean, ethical kill, like you were talking about. And then you've got all the time in the world to be excited afterwards. But when it comes down to that moment, you got to be on your game and make it happen.
1: Mm-hmm. And I definitely got excited when I went and found the elk too. Like I saw him there. I was like, no way. I just did this. Like I've been dreaming of doing this since I was a kid, a little small town farm girl from Wisconsin. Like I was able to go to Colorado and harvest an elk. Like that is to, to me, me, to the fact that I was even able to do that was just amazing. And I'm still really excited about it. But, yeah, like like you said, you have all the time in the world afterwards to get excited. You just have to tell yourself that. Like, I guess we don't realize how much control we have over our minds than we think. Um, a lot of us think that, like, our reactions are uncontrollable, but they're actually, you're in more control than you think. And that's, I mean, meditation works, whatever you need to do or tell yourself to, like, get calm like i part of my process i guess is like before i make a shot like that i give myself no option to miss i basically convince myself i said you can't miss like you need this this has to happen like you need this meet you're gonna have this and this consequence if you miss um but i don't do it to a point where i like stress myself out i just convince myself that I, i have to do this like there's no such thing as failure, which works sometimes, often, sometimes doesn't. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, that's certainly the the perpetual optimism thing that I mentioned, Um, you know, kind of starting off where, I think my Alexa speaker just heard me, that's kind of awkward, Um, you know, by approaching things with a kind of optimistic mindset, you actually get a different result. Uh, You guys hear that in the background, Alexa? You gotta no, stop saying her name. That's what you gotta do. <laughs> yeah. Weird. I don't know why the stream sounds probably because um,
1: my name my name sounds so similar to like that Alexa thing.
0: That might be true.
1: You just can't say my name anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's I'm like, why did it do that? Okay, well anyway. You know, my buddy actually played a weird trick on us. He had like you play some I don't want to some game, right? Like I think it was three rounds of awesome have you ever heard of that game or played it, but you have to like read off kind of like charades. And you put one of the things like Alexa, buy 20 rolls of paper towel. And so people would say that and like, next thing you know, we had to approve all these or deny all these uh, Amazon requests, which was kind of funny. <laughs> that Very is different. Yeah. Now you had mentioned, so whatever, I'm just going to run with this cause it is what it is. But you had mentioned like, you didn't have good cell service where you were elk hunting what is mm-hmm. like being back and inundated by technology and social media and everything else. Now, what's the, what's the feeling coming back into that stuff for you? I hate it to
1: be a hundred percent honest. Like even with wildland firefighting, I mean, we're, we're gone. Like people will hardly ever hear from me um, around the month of May until October. Cause that's like prime fire season. And mo- most of where our fires are, like, you know, deep in the mountains, so we le- never have service, especially, you know, we're not, we're not like, it's not like we go stay in hotels every night. Like, we're sleeping outside, on the ground, not even in tents. We're just on a sleeping bag, a tarp, and that, like, that's it. So we really never have service. Sometimes we get it, and I, like, do updates and respond to messages and stuff, but, like, For six months out of the year, for the last three years, I haven't had the greatest service. Um, And I kind of have, like, social anxiety a little bit, which I've never usually had any issues, like, with people because I'm typically very extrovert outgoing. Um, Okay. But, yeah, definitely going back into, like, the daily function of society, like, a normal routine or just dealing with, like, traffic or people or the expectations of social media is, like, super overwhelming. Um, I'm actually currently dealing with some of that right now, like, with all the changes that Instagram and Facebook have um, in order to maintain, like, a following or maintain an audience or, like, keep people updated. Yep. It's almost near impossible for me to do that. So I'm, like, losing followers or, like, I I guess it's called shadow banning. Um, I keep up with Instagram cause I do it for a job on the side, but it's just okay. really confusing. So like if you're inactive for a certain amount of time, um, your profile basically doesn't ever get seen unless somebody looks you up specifically or unless they already follow you. So to like gain more followers or gain an audience or whatever is like really hard to do when you're shadow banned. Um, so and it doesn't help that I'm like kind of rebranding my Instagram. It's not just hunting anymore, which is what the majority of my audience is. It's like yeah. firefighting, hunting, perspective, motivation, traveling. Basically any it has nothing I mean it's all outdoors stuff still, but there's just more to it. Um so I guess I just have to adjust. But like especially being down here in Southern California Huge, huge culture shock for
0: me. I bet coming from Wisconsin, I spent some time in California. It's a, a very different kind of lifestyle down there. And I hear you about the oh, yeah. social media stuff. I feel it like kind of pulling me away from family at times. And you know, it's justified because it's quote unquote worth for podcasting and the app and things of that nature. And and you want to see other people are doing, etc. But it's I went to the Boundary Waters for two weeks a couple of years ago, and I remember that feeling of complete disconnect at first is kind of shock to the system. But once you kind of got used to it, it was hard to come back to. It was really tough. And you have, um, you have a lot of followers. So I imagine like for you, that's magnified by a lot. There's a, there's a huge factor for you there with that. I, it's gotta be rough.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's kind of like one of those things too, it's like, I, my perspective when it comes to social media has completely changed from what it was eight years ago. Like it's, my priority is a hundred percent different. Like, I don't know, was it four, probably five or six years ago. I was already like six years into the hunting industry. I did the hosting TV show thing. I did the filming and the hunting show stuff, the sponsorship. Like I did all that and it literally consumed my life. Like, I would attend every outdoor show I could. I would go like kind of just hunt all over the country, try to get as many pictures as I could, all that stuff. And
0: mm-hmm.
1: it like completely consumed my entire life. And now what is it? Did you
3: hear that? Are you
0: hearing that sound? Yeah, I don't know what that is. Yeah, yeah I'm I'm hearing it too. It stopped. I don't know what it was.
1: Maybe it's some, like, I don't know. That's true. Sorry, my attention span is, like, not (laughs) the greatest. But anyway, so, like, the hunting industry and, like, the sponsorships and, like, oh, I need to get this picture, like, all that other stuff consumed everything. So I honestly didn't even enjoy hunting anymore, if I'm being frank, because every hunt I would go on, it would only be about, like, the social media, like, oh, I have to get this picture for Instagram, I have to get this live video, I, like, it has to be perfect, blah, 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 and, like, there are so many people out there that still do that, and they don't actually enjoy themselves anymore, like, no matter what they do, whether it be a family gathering, a trip, um, a hunting trip, or just whatever, because we're so glued to our phones, it is insane, like, even just riding in around in the motorcycle down here in socal it's scary because even when people are driving the traffic is already bad down here but everyone's on their phone like while driving
0: yeah it's scary no one no one watches the road but it is scary that we're losing all these precious moments and and losing like hope in the things that we love or whatever we're it's interesting that the pontificating that goes on where it you almost lose something in that oh, I, wanted, I want to shoot this buck so I can get the picture. Like, the, the why we do it is getting altered, and that's, I, I don't know, it's toxic, I think.
1: I agree. Like, I was actually having this conversation the other day. Like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, like, a anti-anything, like anti-hunter, anti-whatever, obviously, but... I'm a huge advocate for perspectives. So, and the only real way to gain a different perspective on the world, on situations, on your opinion and beliefs of things is to experience it. And I guess, like, like um, we were kind of talking about earlier, you learn from your mistakes, right? So every time that you do something or experience something in life, you're learning, whether it ends up good or bad, you're learning, like, that's a learning experience. So your perspective is going to change regarding whatever it is that you're learning from. So if you, like, travel and you forget to pack certain things or the travel, like, the trip, like, your flights get canceled or whatever, anything bad happens, like, you're going to learn from that. So you're going to not do it the next time. And it's the same thing with everything that I've done in the last 25 years of my life, um, like with all the traveling I'm doing, with the with the wildland firefighting, with the different types of hunting I've been doing, all the amazing, awesome people I've met in the last eight years within the hunting industry and the fire industry, like it's crazy how much my perspective has changed. Um, and I just see things more clearly, I feel like, and I've done more research of my own So when it comes to, like, what I believe and my opinions on things, I'm actually confident in being able to say that I, like, my beliefs are my beliefs. They're not based on what someone else believes, what I see on social media, or I don't read a title from an article on Facebook and see it as fact, like, anything. And there's just so many people out there that don't have their own opinions, don't have their own beliefs because they're either listening to what their parents say or their friends says they don't actually take the time to do their own research and like form their own opinion so i like with all the research that i've done recently like i don't necessarily believe in the global warming or like whatever's going on with climate change however i just know what i've seen when it comes to hunting um there's there's been i think in the last six months there's been like 90 species of between fish and bugs and stuff that have just disappeared like they're extinct now and like even looking at how we manage animals in the US like how we hunt how we're reintroducing wolves in like Wisconsin or Yellowstone stuff like that to try to maintain deer population or elk population like we're destroying our own animal population like nationwide Um, yeah, I don't know what you guys' thoughts on that are.
0: Well, I don't believe in global warming either. Um, but I do not pay attention to the news at all. Um, so I I guess I'll have to take you for your word on that, but it is, it's sad. I don't
1: want you to do that. I don't want you to do that. I want you to research it if you want to, and if you have time
0: later. For the sake, yeah, for the sake of this conversation, (laughs) I'll have to trust what you're telling me, but, um, Maybe if you send me a message or you tell me a specific one, I'll I'll follow suit on that, you know. Okay. And and see and I can tell you it's right or not.
3: And and you know, Eric, I'm right there with you. I try not to follow the news because it's always bad news. There's never good news.
0: Um, you know, yeah. go out make your
3: own news. Go out in the woods, make your own news. Make your own highlights. You know, make your own life. Um, so again, I'm I'm right with you on that about don't need to follow the news and know what's going on in the world and you know kind of live my own thing. So um, on that note, guys, I'd like to um you know extend my thanks to allowing you allowing to be on this show um thanks to you eric thanks to you lexi for having me on tonight um giving the opportunity to call in and get my word in here um so it's very good to meet you guys and we'll be in touch with you soon
0: thanks so much for calling in man i really appreciate it
3: not a problem take care
0: bye so from a technology perspective i'm not sure what's happened my entire screen is froze even my clock says um, 7.38 7.38 p.m., which is clearly when it froze, and it's now 7.51 p.m. in reality, so I don't know what happened, um, but the call is still connected, which is through my computer, so it's still, like, the call is still recording and working, so the live portion just apparently has stopped. So we can keep rolling, and then what I'll do is I can still put everything into an actual podcast, right? Um, but I guess okay. the live part stopped, so I don't know. I've never experienced this type of technical difficulty before.
1: You can just cut it and edit it into like a yeah. live still or yep. into like a just into a podcast. podcast. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: That would be cool. I'll yeah. That, that way people can listen to it later, anyways.
0: Yep. But, um, you know, one of the reasons. But yeah, I guess my, oh, um, go ahead. You go ahead.
1: My point <laughs> with like the technology thing, I kind of like caught you up. I kind of changed the subject a little bit. Um, like, as far as coming back into technology and like what it's become and then just like a change that we've seen in like the hunting culture um which we could talk about both if you want or we'll just stick to one No, like I and
0: then- I love this as a topic because it's uh it's an epidemic right now and you know it's funny you know I listen to the Joe Rogan podcast here and there but it recently caught my attention when he had Steve Renella on and they were talking about this topic and um you know it it seems as though some of the images being portrayed primarily on like an Instagram or Facebook or whatever are people just posturing, you know, and, and they're just – that's what that's what people do on social media anyways. You only see what the, the those people want you to see, their best versions of themselves, and that's what's happening on social media. So like there's a lot of, um, you know, hunt shaming, right? Like you didn't get a big buck or why did you shoot that? You should let it grow or – you know, there's all sorts of beliefs kind of coming together now, and it's getting kind of ugly. And, you know, I I really like to stand up to some of that stuff and preach. Like you said, like, go do your own research. And it's hilarious, my response to you, by the way. But, you know, like, people need to have their own whys as to why they do things and not look to do it to appease everyone else looking in. Right, and,
1: like, whether people want to admit it or not, so many people like I can guarantee you that like 80 70 to 80 percent of the population are okay with that I, I used to be yep and it's and that's that is what I'm rebranding my Instagram life beyond Limit, into being against is like literally forming your own beliefs and like um just kind of like living your life however you want like Like the fact that I'm losing followers or aren't getting the normal amount of likes that I normally get, like doesn't even bother me because I'm still, I still have a story to tell. I still have a message to get out there and people are still seeing that and that's all that matters. And I don't think that we are ever meant to have this much connection with this many people. Does that make sense? Like we were It totally like,
2: makes sense.
0: Like, yep.
1: I say I have forty two thousand followers, right? I was never I'm not meant to know that many people.
0: Because No, and you can't you can't have that many meaningful relationships with that many people. Right. Quality over quantity, right?
1: Because if you lose like a friendship or lose a follower, it's almost as if like some people feel as if they're just they're getting broken up with and yep. they're putting themselves through that anxiety, through that like breakup. And it's not even that big of a deal. And it's happening so often that so many people are struggling with, like, mental issues now, like, mental health, like, anxiety, depression, attachment issues and relationship issues and stuff like that. You're not meant to know that many people. So a lot of people are trying to juggle having that many friends or that many relationships because we're not meant, like, we're not originally meant to have that. I never had that growing up. I didn't have social media until I was, like, 20.
0: Yeah, Same. Same. In fact, for me, that was MySpace back in the day. I'm like, why does my friend have their own website? (laughs) I didn't really get it. Yeah.
1: In MySpace, you you got what? Your top 10 friends?
0: Yeah. And then you had to pick them, right? (laughs) right? That's where the problem started. Like, oh, you have to pick. How come I'm not in your top 10? Well, we got in a fight last week because, you know, whatever.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. And you knew when somebody wasn't your friend anymore because they wouldn't be in your top 10. Like, oh, so-and-so got in a fight.
0: I forgot that that was even a thing, the top 10. That's hilarious. It's
1: crazy that we forget about that because we've adapted so much that we don't even remember where we came from. And that's my issue with hunting right now, like the hunting industry. Like we forgot. Like we need to remember. I kind of want to start a movement, like remember where you came from. Um, there, there
0: is. Like, there's but, a, there's a couple people that share what we're talking about, and you know, there is definitely an undertow current flowing below the surface of this industry right now because people are, look, we're we know what marketing and branding and advertising looks like now, and and you see so much of that mainstream stuff and the and the, you know, repping this and repping that, for a a buck, not a, not a deer, but like a dollar, and. There's a, there's a couple fine lines there like I, I, I only tell one company so far on this podcast that I host and it's a coffee company, but it's because I drink coffee like five times a day <laughs> and I go through it a lot and they give me a nice little discount. So I'm like, OK, well, cool. That makes sense for me. I like your coffee. I like the discount. We'll continue to do this dance. This is great, um, but there's yeah, nothing unnatural it about it. I'm not going out of my way to like put my coffee roast bag next to the deer that I shot. That's ridiculous. So, you know, there's people that are going to that kind of extreme or length to promote stuff, and it doesn't feel natural anymore, you know?
1: And that's exactly my point, is, like, I remember when I first got in the hunting industry, it was, like, what, I don't know, eight years ago. And to be on a pro staff was, like, like, there was only ever, like, five or six people on a pro staff. A pro staff, to me at the time, which definitely not what it is anymore but at the time it was like you have to be really good at hunting like you have to know a lot you have to know how to navigate and how to you know basically anything involved in hunting you have to know how to do and be good at it and you have to already yep. use the product and love it and to be on a pro staff you didn't even get free stuff you got a discount and then they would have you work at the outdoor shows like ATA and stuff like that because you were knowledgeable, you knew about the product, you've been using it for years, why wouldn't you be? And you can actually sell a product because you believe in it. And now it's just like, here, I'm going to give you this for free. You look really pretty or you look really good and with your, you know, luscious beard and all that, we'll post a couple pictures for us and help us sell this. And they have no idea anything about the product. And it's like... You go to ATA, and I, you know, I know a lot of people that own archery shops, and they're having a hard time because ATA is nothing, what it is intended for. ATA is its purpose is for all the archery product distributors to be there to present new products for the archery shop owners to look at and be like, okay, what product do I want in my store? That's the whole purpose of ATA, from my understanding.
0: And now it's everybody just. Kind of trying to talk out, like, for themselves me, to be heard. Blah, blah. Yeah. Well, yeah, right. Too.
1: It's a bunch of people somehow getting into ATA, which they shouldn't even be able to do. And it's just like they're just hitting up all these companies. And you're like, here, sponsor me. Here, sponsor me. And it was frustrating because, like, even last year, I was working for a camo company at the time. Um, and it's like everybody that came into our booth, like, we're trying to sell our, we're trying to, you know, it was a new camouflage that just came out out of Spain. We're trying to explain our product to people, and they're like not even listening. They're not even listening to what we're saying. They just like, oh, okay. So you're looking for sponsors? Like, are you looking for ambassadors? Like, no. You can buy our product, and if you use it and like it, then we'll talk. But
0: no, I went to ATA a couple years ago. (laughs) I went there. I went there a couple years ago um, when it was in Kentucky. So it's in Kentucky again this year, I think, or whatever, 2019. So it was pretty intimidating. You know, there there were so I mean the the amount of dollars put into the trade show booths and the and like the displays oh,
2: mind-blowing.
0: I couldn't comprehend it. It was just like wow. I mean, just wow.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like what is it three to five thousand dollars just for like a five by ten space, like a box.
2: Yep. Yep.
1: So imagine how much like Matthews is paying, or who was the other ones that had really big ones last year. Um, Matthews, Elite, just like all the big box companies like just had these huge immaculate booths. They're probably easily paying twenty-five to $30,000 to be there.
0: Just to be there, not including the payroll, the staff, the travel, the room, the board, right. the food, the drinks, the, the, you know, like all of it. It's insane. But, you know, it, it, getting back to the roots of hunting, I, you know, it's I, it's funny because I've developed a, a mobile GPS hunting app. So you think I'd be a proponent for bringing your phone into the woods with you, but I think it's just as important to have those days where you just don't, just leave it in the yeah. car, in the truck, and just or, or turn it off. You know, like bring it with like you, turn it off in case there is really an emergency, right? And like I remember back in the day with my dad hunting as a kid in Wisconsin and, and Phelps and Krivitz and the Nicolay National Forest, and you know we had walkie talkies. We talked to each other when we got into our stand and out of our. Days. Like that was it, you know. And there's no cell phone. There was nothing like that at all. And if there was, it, it sure didn't work. Like where we were, you know, it was like, okay, well, we'll call, you know, you know my my mom when we get into the you know hotel, so she knows that we're safe, right? And that was kind of it. And it's interesting now, you know. Now we're at the hunting cabin. People are scrolling through the feed, saying, "Look at this buck. Look at that buck." It's like, well, why? I don't let's let's just talk about our bucks and what we did in the woods today and let's play some games and hang out, you know, and, and have some stories and beers.
1: I miss all that. Like everything yeah. you're saying, I miss the walkie talkies and the deer camp and the going to the registration station. You know, my dad would grab a beer and I would grab a, what is it? What is that thing called? A Shirley temple with like the cherry yeah. and the, <laughs> yeah, and the soda, it, yeah. like non-alcoholic, whatever. Um, and we would just, like, look at other people's deer and be like, oh, how many deer did you see? And, like, just talk about the hunting and stuff like that. And like, you don't get that anymore. Yeah,
0: like, you get you it, but it's like you don't get it the same way. Line. Yeah, and then right. you get all the bashing that comes along with it or whatever. And Or, like, I mean, there's some real dopamine that that exchanges and gets, you know, tossed into your brain when you're going through these feeds. That's why Facebook is what it is. It's just pandering to, like, the, you know, the whatever, I don't know what part of the brain it is. Um, that feeds you that.
1: Um, well, not too. Like, I mean, it's not 100%. I mean, it, it's nobody's, like, fault. It's just deciding how we've adapted. Like, the DNR took away back tags and took away the fact that you had to go in somewhere to register. They want to make it easier and online and do it from your phone. Like, we don't even have tags anymore. And it's just yep, like, no I get i trying yeah. to save money, but you're destroying what this culture was. And it's like, and I kind of think about it in a very like large outside the box spectrum. And it's like, is our current culture versus our old culture? Which one's right and which one's wrong? And it's hard to decide if either or is right or wrong. Like we know what we don't like about our current viewpoints on the hunting industry and stuff like that but how do we go about changing it like well i think
0: it's i was gonna say it's one of those things where it's all it's almost like um you say i can't i can't discern if it's good or bad i think people are like society we're just being exposed you know it's just exposing what people are actually doing and it's kind of sad because we can't really help it it seems like
1: Well, and, like, how many animals, like, I know people that go out and hunt and they literally don't even keep the meat. They don't even try to take as much meat as they can. They just give it away. They fly in from New York or wherever they're from into Colorado. They'll kill a big mule deer or a big elk. They'll bring the head into a taxidermist and have it shipped to their house. But then the meat they just give away or let the outfitters keep. And it's like the whole purpose of hunting is to is for food. Like it's not supposed it was never meant to be commercialized. It was never meant to be like a sport. Like I love hunting, don't get me wrong. But I don't do it for the antlers, I don't do it for the sake of just killing something. Like I will never hunt more than I more I will never harvest more meat than I than I need for myself or whoever else I'm feeding, like my family or whatever. Like you won't see me kill four deer in a year or like two elk, like I'll, you know, I'll go to Idaho and kill an elk or Colorado and kill an elk and then go to Wisconsin and shoot three deer. I don't need that much meat. It would go bad. It would sit in right. my freezer Absolutely. for two three yep. years and it would get freezer burnt and I would throw it away.
0: Same. Now I don't have that much opportunity to hunt regardless, but, um, I'd be remiss if but I said that, I only hunted for meat, but like that—that that is my primary objective. Like I eat the deer that I that I harvest, plain and simple. Right. Now my wife, and yeah, I keep, she's good.
1: Even the scrap meat you keep—I mean, some people do. Yeah. I keep it for dog food. That's cool. I'll grind up the scrap meat, which I did with my elk. I took all the meat that I would normally have thrown in the trash, and I kept it in a bag, and I ground it up with sweet potatoes, and I'm gonna feed that to my dog. I'm gonna cook it, but. You know that's still, and I, you know how many pounds of scrap meat I ended up with? Fifteen pounds. How many?
0: Oh, crap! It's a happy dog. Of
1: just scrap dog food. Like that's gonna save me a ton of money on buying dog food.
0: That's super cool.
1: But still, like well, I've seen people that don't—they waste a lot of the meat, or they just give it away, and it's just like, like you're you're taking more than you need out of the population, and that's also part of the reason why we're seeing less and less elk or less and less deer. So we like, we shouldn't have to go in and manipulate the herd by, you know what I mean? Like, you know how the DNR goes in and brings more fish and puts more fish in the rivers for you. And like, if it wasn't for the DNR or the Colorado parks and wildlife, like Colorado never had elk to begin with. Elks aren't a native to Colorado. They were put there.
0: I did not know that.
1: Yeah. So and and no, Colorado is one of the is the only state that has the highest elk population. I think I'm probably wrong in this. but I think it's like six hundred thousand, anywhere from three hundred to six hundred thousand elk state statewide. Um, but they're not native. Hmm. But it's like, how much longer are we going to be able to manipulate herds and stuff before animals just start dying off?
0: You wonder, you know, you just wonder about the state of the union of hunting right now. I just, um, it'll be interesting to see how the next twenty to thirty years play out, to be honest.
1: Right, and that's and I'm saying. Like, I'm not saying it's an issue now, but I'm also saying that it could be an issue in like maybe ten, twenty years. Like in my child, like if I have kids, it's going to be an issue in their in their time, in their generation. And it's right. like, you know, we need to start thinking about the damage we're doing to our environment and the planet earth that we call home, we need to think about the damage we're doing now because eventually it may not affect us, but it's going to affect people in the next 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years.
2: Absolutely. Yep. That's
1: a and like I said, I'm not like a anti anything. I'm, I'm just being realistic. Cause that is, that is a real fact. It's like, we're doing un. Doable or what is that word? Unrepairable damage.
0: Yeah, in a lot of cases, I mean, if you remember the, the like, I mean, not even hunting really, but like the oil spill that BP had years ago, How how big of a catastrophe that was oil was literally being dumped in the ocean thousands of gallons at a time. And I don't think anyone remembers it. Like, right, like we've all forgotten it because we have such short attention spans now. But that was one of the worst natural, like human caused disasters that's ever occurred in our time being on this planet. And who knows what those impacts are long, long, long long-term. I mean, we've quote-unquote cleaned it up, but that was pretty bad. You know, I got to imagine there's still some remnants of that down there. That's an interesting example, but like that's the kind of impact that we have on things if we're careless. You know, we're not some big corporation of hunters, but collectively we're we're a lot. There's a lot of hunters. Because
1: Trump actually just passed, I mean, and I'm, also not pro or anti-Trump either, but this is something that he just recently passed, where if there is, like, an oil spill or something like that, the company is no longer liable.
0: That's fascinating. I didn't realize that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that was a new thing. I don't know if it, like, went through all the way or what. Um, I honestly didn't read into it I, I mean, it is what it is. But just, like, stuff like that, like, I think our technology is advanced enough that we can be smarter with what we're doing, like with oil and gas versus water and electricity or whatever. Yeah. As far as like vehicle operation goes or just, you know, whatever. And I think people are starting to wake up in the hunting industry too, with like what's going on with like Instagram and trends and all this other stuff. And people are realizing that the fact that we're on our phones all the time is an addiction. Um, Like for me, I don't, I plug my phone in at nine o'clock every night, not in my bedroom because I don't want it to be anywhere near my bed. Um, I plug it in. I have an, an actual alarm clock in my room that goes off when I need it to, so I'm not relying on my phone. And then um, when I wake up in the morning, I make my coffee, make my breakfast, do what I need to do to like prepare myself for the morning. And then I'll like listen to a motivational video, read two motivational quotes for the day, do my meditation, and then I'll start my day like I think it's like takes me like what two or three hours into my day before I check any social media.
0: It's a good way to start the day away from the phone. it's a good way to end the night away routine. from the phone, mhm,
1: yeah, and if you get into that routine, you'll find yourself not missing your phone as much.
0: That's cool, that's good advice. That's good advice for everybody listening i think I think that might be a good place to to let it kind of echo
2: for yeah, for everybody it's,
0: listening.
1: It's an addiction for sure, and I mean, like I said, we're so reliant. like we we definitely rely on our phones for literally everything. I am like the worst person when it comes to technology because I couldn't even figure out how to do Skype on my phone the other day. Or, like, for me to even call into this podcast is something I've never done. So I...
0: Yeah, thank you, by the way. (laughs) Yeah. Tricky. Technology
1: is advancing faster than I can keep up.
0: Yeah. Well, that's true. So, like, the the rate of adoption um, is faster than the rate of change. We're adopting new technology faster than it can come out. And the rate of change of technology is faster than it's ever been in the history of time. It used to take, like, the refrigerator, the telephone um cars right like these trains the the rate of adoption for those types of technologies took you know 20 plus years in some cases now something comes out a new technology a piece of software it's fully adopted by the whole entire you know country inside of a year or less that's insane that's not how things ever had worked before so like it's just interesting but you know i we could go on and on and on for a while i really do like leaving it with like spending more time away from your phone and getting into good routines and habits, because I think that that is just infiltrating our day to day too, too much. And then the -hmm. thing that we love the most spending time outdoors and in the woods, recreating, hunting, whatever it is you do outside fishing. um, The ability to kind of leave that thing out of it every now and again is going to bring more joy to your life because you're going to be in the moment and we need more in the moment behavior.
1: I agree. Like being more present, like, yeah. Me and my boyfriend were just talking about this the other day. Like, we've been together for four months, but it feels like years because of our perspective when we're together. Like, we were never on our phones, hardly, when we're together, um, and just kind of, like, how we go about our lives. Like, we we try to be as present as we can in each moment, and that's kind of what I'm doing with Life Beyond Limits is I'm trying to give people these different types of thoughts in their head different types of perspective like I'm trying to get people to think more and because at the end of the day like you can read my posts, you can find inspiration for a brief second but if you actually want to change your life and truly like change your life for the better you have to you have to take these things that I'm saying or that I'm posting about into action like you actually have to make it a part of your life and a part of your thinking and Like, I've struggled with depression, anxiety, and all that crazy stuff, too, just like a lot of people. But there's, like, I came to, like, a realization of what my anxiety and depression was stemming from, and I dealt with it. And I'm trying to, like, help other people find an outlet, find something that they're passionate about, and help them use the outdoors, whether it be rock climbing, archery, hunting, kayaking, whatever, um, to try to, like, better their life and give themselves an outlet so they're not, you know what I mean, like, so brainwashed into you know, the daily life of society, basically. Yep, I
2: totally, like,
0: totally I'm trying to agree. i to use
1: the outdoors to help people, and that's,
2: yep.
0: that's
1: my end goal.
0: That's you know, like, um, it's pretty powerful, you know? Like, God gave us that space to utilize for ourselves, and... It, no wonder that i think it can be so healing to be doing stuff outdoors anything really anything outdoors mm-hmm. i'd argue that rock climbing is pretty awesome because when you're doing that your brain ain't thinking about anything else other than like i gotta grab that next ledge <laughs> yeah. like, quite literally <laughs> Don't <fall>. you're not <laughs> Don't die. yeah you're not your your mind isn't focused on anything other than that so i love that one um you know hunting is there's a lot of meditation because there there's a lot of downtime it's like baseball right like 99% of it's boring as can be when you're just sitting there until you get that 1% of adrenaline. And then you know, fishing is peaceful. Seeing Being around water is calming. There's a lot of different um things we could go on about. But I love where your head's at. I love where you're coming from. I hope that people hear your message and hear the show and, and can take something that they can apply to their lives and take some action and perspective and maybe find your blog and reach out. What is the the domain name or the web address for the blog?
1: It's, um, life the limits Cool.
0: Cool. And I assume so people can it, find in similar places on social media, even though we're telling people like take a break. Right. Um, if you want to yeah, go look like, there,
1: you can find that link. Um, you can find my Snapchat, my Instagram, all my social accounts through my Facebook,
2: through
1: Instagram's got a link to my website on there. It's actually down right now. I'm doing some updates. Like I'm completely redoing it. Um, so that'll be back up by the end of
0: the month. All right, so tip of the week. This week I want to challenge everybody. Rather than a tip, here's my challenge of the week. I want to challenge everybody to have a positive attitude with hunting. So what do, what do I mean by that, or what can you actually do about it? Um, I think that, you know, we talked about putting the phones down um, a little bit more and getting to some potentially good habits. Um, I'm in total agreement with that. I'm excited to actually try some of that stuff out to see if I can literally change my habits. Um, but so the challenge is just simply like, you know, if you see another uh, post out there or or something like that, rather than just thumbing it up or double tapping for heart on Instagram and moving on, um, take a second, read what it actually says. Stop scrolling, stop scrolling, stop scrolling, right? And dive in for a moment and and put some real energy and effort. Into at least one or two posts that you see and comment something meaningful and authentic that speaks to what that person posted about. Um, And see what kind of outcome you get from doing that rather than liking everything you see, right? Um, So I'm challenging myself to do the same thing. I wouldn't ask anybody to do something I'm not willing to or haven't done myself. That's an example that I believe uh, leading from the front, right? Not like I'm leading everybody here, but, you know, that's my challenge or my tip of the week go deep on something, um, you know, rather than going wide and liking everything and being aware of all of this stuff, blah, 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 spend some serious time on one or two and and maybe, you know, provide some good advice or some good tips or a similar story or something that you can relate to or a really big congratulations or something that's very specifically um, in response to what someone had posted. So that's my tip of the week to try to create positivity and and create some ripple effects of that and, and see what that looks like. And You know, we talk about there being an undercurrent or an undertow current in the hunting community of this pessimism and negativity and bashing and, you know, shaming or whatever you want to call it. Um, Rather than just bitching about it myself on this show, I'm going to try to do something about it myself. And I know that one person has a minimal impact, but um, for the people that listen to this show, that's that's my tip of the week this week. So do with it what you will. Have a great day. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Go give me a rating and some feedback on iTunes. Thank you so much. Hunt Public.